The Basic Instructions of Mind Mastery with Chuki Okobi, the show that takes you around the world to share interviews with some of the most successful and relevant people on the planet. Hear their stories and get the most important business lessons they have learned on their road to success and get exclusive advice on how to implement their success into your life and business. The Basic Instructions of Mind Mastery with Chuki Okobi is brought to you by the Strategic Advisor Board and your host, Chuki Okobi. Aloha, everyone. We are back with another episode of the Basic Instructions of Life After Football podcast, the podcast for, by, and about NFL alumni and rediscovering our passion for life after football. Now, to give you a deeper insight into my motivation and inspiration for this show is to help my NFL brethren heal after a lifetime of football, heal in all four bodies, spiritually, mentally, emotionally, and physically. We interview former pro athletes who serve as an example of what's possible for other former athletes who may feel lost or struggling emotionally in this next chapter of life. You know, men who have been through the unique journey of transitioning out of football, redefined their professional identity and rediscovered their passion and purpose in life. Now, today's guest is a fraternity brother of mine. For those that have had the experience of being drafted by Pittsburgh and playing for the Steelers, this is a special group and we consider each other family. You know, a veteran of the National Football League and all Big Ten player from the Ohio State University. And a man who's rediscovered his passion and purpose after pro football and an unexpected path for most football players. He's going to tell us all about that today. Ladies and gentlemen, let's welcome five-year NFL veteran and always a Pittsburgh Steeler, Mike Adams, to the show. Brother Mike, mahalo, and thank you for joining us. Chucky, thanks for having me on, man. I appreciate you, brother. It's, uh, it's an honor to be here. You know, he's Big Ten player, you're a Steeler, so it's like we're almost the same person, almost, almost, <laughs> you know. But, you know, it's even even coming from that Pittsburgh area, you know, so we got even more connections than, than you know, on the surface. It's really interesting because, you know, you do something really, really unique, you know, as it pertains to, you know, a lot of guys leave sports, they go into coaching football, broadcast and whatnot, which – is is a bit of a lateral move, but you know I'm really interested in getting into what you do nowadays. But before we do that, you know the transition out of the game of football can be complex. It's definitely a unique experience that unless someone has had the same experience of playing pro sports, they couldn't even imagine it. I mean, think about it like this. And I have a feeling it relate because now in, in our society, many of us tend to tie our identity to what we do professionally. I mean, if I fight fires, then I am a firefighter. If I teach people, then naturally I am a teacher, right? What I do is who I am. My job is my identity. I'd say that's pretty common for most people, right? You know, most people never consider what it's like to identify as a football player. I know this is something that obviously we both connect to at a deeper level. You know, just, I mean, think about, a guy who's 27, 28, 29 years old, or just imagine you're a 30, 31 year old firefighter or teacher, and you get that call from your employer and they say, Hey, how you doing? Now I know you didn't do anything wrong, but you're fired. And you'll never work in this industry ever again. I guess you're not who you thought you were. Good luck and have a nice life. Click. Mike, you know that's pretty standard in, in pro <laughs> sports. You know, that's how my career ended. I just felt crushed. And, you know, most guys go through a similar experience when they're done playing. It can send a lot of people, you know, spiraling down. Most people don't know that since 2020, 
49 NFL retirees under the age of 50 have passed away unexpectedly. And personally, I'm a believer that many times this happened because they weren't able to fully heal and redefine themselves after football was done and find a path. But Mike, you're an example of someone who's pivoted in life and are on a brand new path in this next chapter. But I imagine it wasn't easy for you when you first finished your NFL career. So the first thing I'm curious about is talk to me about how you felt the challenge, the challenges you overcame after you first retired from football. What was it like for you mentally and emotionally when you first left the NFL? Um, well, I mean, there, yeah, there's so much to unpack with that, right? Um, mm -hmm. Big 10, first of all, here we go. Um, the Boilermakers, I will say that you guys are one of two teams, one of only two teams that uh, that we, the Ohio State Buckeyes, didn't have a winning record against when I was in school. Two and two. Um, but, nice. no, I mean, like you were saying, football, it is, I mean, first of all, it's such a beautiful game and it teaches us so many things, right? Um, it gives us an opportunity to learn lessons that we can take with us after we leave the game. Um, getting to your first question and what you asked um, is about that whole process of leaving the game, right? So um, in that process of, you know, leaving the game, I feel like for most of us, it doesn't happen on our own terms. You know, most guys aren't ready to leave and don't see themselves leaving. So, um, you know, we get caught off guard with this whole thing and the whole thing being a complete identity shift that's looming over us that we don't even know, right? Um, and for me, it was my my situation was, I mean, they're all unique, right? So my in my own situation, I had undergone back surgery going into year four, which was a contract year for me. Um, so I missed all of year four, ended up getting released um, after that season. And uh, I was able to get right health-wise to be able to play again. And I went up to Chicago, played for a season. Um, but for me, that was kind of where my journey out of football started was when my last season started. Um, when my last season started... I had something to prove to myself that I could get healthy enough to play again and that I could still play. Um, well, as soon as I, you know, as soon as camp was over and I was done proving myself um, and I was on the team and it was like, okay, set into the weekly routine and this is what it's going to be. Um, I was up there in Illinois and, you know, I had come from my farm in Ohio where I like to bow hunt deer I like to do a lot of yoga and just kind of be in nature or, you know, like on my mat, just doing my own thing. And um, it was like my second week and I was sitting in the training room just getting ready for practice. And I saw some deer walk out on the practice field. And I thought about being at home on my farm and watching the deer walk out of the woods and just like how relaxed I usually would be. Um mm -hmm. And then I just like, you know, daily it became a thing to me. It was like, man, like I'm here doing this and like I'm really thankful that I'm healthy enough to be here. But like, man, I really miss the routine of, um, you know, being in nature and doing a lot of yoga on the farm and getting myself right physically and mentally and not being sore all the like, you know, and like 
helping my body rather than tearing it down, you know? Mm -hmm. And because, you know, after camp and all that, like you're beat down, you know, Um, you've got that week or whatever to get right for the season, um, you know, after camp ends. But I mean, after camp, your body's pretty beat up and, uh, you know, you're just trying to get right. So for me, I played the rest of that season. I ended up re-injuring my back week 11, um, starting a game against the the Giants. And um, I didn't even hurt my back in that game, actually. I tore a partially tore a bicep and my retore my rotator cuff in that game. Mm-hmm. The next morning in walkthroughs, we're doing PAT walkthrough. Mm-hmm. And I blew my back out again, mm-hmm. just to walk through, right? So um, it was kind of at that moment, like, I knew I wasn't going to play again, you know. Um, I was hoping that my back pain would, like, kind of go away faster than it did because um, that took some work. But, um, yeah, I knew I wasn't going to play again. And when the season was over, I went home injured. And uh, I had a family friend who was a doctor. And at this point, I had had about, like, eight or nine epidurals in my back. And mm-hmm. not one of them worked. And um, – he I was the best man in his daughter's wedding and he was just like you know he's a person that I trust and I love and he was like you know big Mike man like you should let me help you I know that you've had these done before and they haven't worked but like let me try it he was like I got the magic touch and I was like all right doc like if you say you can help me then cool and so I went into his office he gave me an epidural and I was like my pain went away like instantaneously as it you know he did the needle and uh it was the first time one had ever worked for me and so Mm. i mean i got off the table and started crying right away you know what i mean like because i had been in so much pain all day every day for the past like six weeks um and so i hugged him real big i went home changed my clothes got my yoga mat and i went to yoga class and that was when uh my journey post football really started i went like it was like 60 days straight of like hot yoga. Um, I threw in some restorative in there too, but um, I was just pretty much going hard doing hot yoga, eating well. And I lost, that's when I started my weight loss journey from started at like 320 and I walk around now at like 250. Um, but at the biggest, I think, or at my biggest, I was like 360, you know, and my smallest like 240. So it was a pretty drastic change. Um, but yeah, that was the physical part of it. Um, for me, it was a big component of life after football because mentally and like identity wise, I was so lost and like, didn't know what I, you know, I was like, I don't know what I'm going to do. I know I'm not playing football anymore, but like, what am I going to do exactly? You know, I got excellent amount of dollars in the bank um you know what i mean i have a cushion you know and a timetable to figure out you know who i want to be um and i was blessed for that but it was like man like i felt like a kid out of high school you know going to college and they're like so what do you want to major in son you know (laughs) and it was like every time i went to the gas station um people were like man you're tall you're big i'm six eight you know and like uh, and they're like, you're big. You play basketball. You play sports. I'm like, oh, no. Like, you know, and you don't want to get into the, oh, I'm retired. And 
if you mm-hmm. do, they're like, well, what are you doing next? And you're like, I, I have no idea. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. That, that was, was like the question that would send me into the biggest tailspin. Yeah. You know, you were talking about how guys can get into those downward spirals. Like, man, conversations with people at the gas station and the grocery store quickly became like the thing that sent me into the biggest downward spiral. And Mm -hmm. honestly, like, you know, I believe in healing, um, being alone with your thoughts and all of that is completely necessary and all of that. Um, But I also think that there there's a fine line when it comes to isolation to where it's healthy and from where it's healthy to where it's avoidant. And I had started to really flirt with the line of where I was just avoiding the trauma, mm-hmm. you know, and I was avoiding going places in public and I was avoiding doing this because I didn't want to have to answer the question. I didn't want to feel the way it felt when people asked me who I was now because I had no idea. Yeah. Um, I mean, that's and, that's something that's something that's pretty, pretty common, you know, talking, yeah. you know, having these conversations with former players that that's that's a dynamic that comes up a lot, you know, because when those, when we have those conversations that, you know, so it's like, you know, so what do you do at that point when you first come out of the sport, you're completely sure of who you're not anymore. That you know that. And so every time they ask you that, you know, do you play football? It's a reminder of who you're not. And so, and so that's where, you know, all these things connect. And, you know, when you talk about healing and really getting to that place that feels like you again, you know, once you, you know, if you play football all those years of high school and college and professional, you, you're pretty sure who you are at that point. And all of a sudden you're not. And, you know, going through this, this sequence of, determining who I am now. And what's really interesting is that story you told about seeing the deer on the field. That brings up a big, big point because, you know, I'm a big believer in, you know, integrating all aspects of who we are, spiritually, mentally, emotionally, and physically. When you saw that deer, it's the emotional connection, what, what that symbolized, you know? And so in that moment, from my perspective, up here in the press box, just looking down, that was you connecting with you. Yeah. You know, it's like football is something I'm doing right now, but that right there symbolizes who I am deep down. And that's where a lot of guys need to get to where, you know, the way I put it is, you know, yeah, we play football. We were superheroes on television and whatnot. We just got to get back to being our mother's son. Oh, hundred percent, a hundred percent. And like the the amazing thing about what you just said was, so um, with the transition and with identity and like getting back to your fundamentals of you, it was like the year that I was out for the Steelers and like I hurt my back. I was up here in Ohio, like right on the Ohio PA border around Sharon Farrell PA, where I'm from. Um, That's where my farm is and all that. And it's right where my mom lives. And so like that whole year while I was out, like I'm all about like finding discomfort and being in in those moments. But the comfort that my family, just being around my family in that time of like, learning who I was going to be again. 
um, it was something that was confusing. You know, it was a place where I had to set boundaries. It was a place where I wanted to feel so comfortable around everybody, but I had to let them know what that looked like for me first. Um, mm -hmm. My family, I love all of them deeply, you know, and I am blessed to come from a very supportive family. Uh, but they, with that, they know me so well. So sometimes they're the people who can trigger me the easiest, whether they mean to or not, you know? And so mm -hmm. in that time when I was first coming out of the game, um, I was really close to my family, but I spent a lot of time alone. Um, mm -hmm. and a lot of the time that I did spend with my family was kind of like us reprogramming. You know, and it was like, all right, man, like, this is what I'm going through. This is how I'm feeling. And this is what I need from you guys, um, just so that I can figure this thing out. And so I can be figure out what the best version of me looks like, you know. Mm -hmm. um, See, so yeah, I really liked how you put that. And yeah, but I mean, it really is just coming back to those fundamentals, you know, yeah. and it's like. I feel like that's one of the reasons why it's so important for us just as people in general to stay young, you mm -hmm. know, to find those things to stay young. Like the deer symbolized to me, um, you know, when I was a little boy, I was very into Native American culture and the hunting culture and all of those things. And um, hunting was something I started when I got in the league because I had then had money and resources to learn, you know, mm -hmm. and I, whenever I see them now and like, you know, that's a thing I'm really big into now is like deer and habitat management and stuff like that. Um, mm -hmm. I totally felt like, yeah, like I was seeing myself and that I was seeing a version of myself that I really, really wanted to be uh, like united with, you know, yeah. mm -hmm. and I felt like not being at home in Ohio, not doing like it was just a really it was like my inner self screaming out loud like hey this serves you go do this you yep. know and mm -hmm. yeah more more see this this is why you know i wanted you specifically on the show because that's a factor that most guys are just totally unaware of you know speaking to you know one of my former teammates and another former nfl player aiken adele the way he put it was, you know, we spend so much time, and, you know, as a football player, it's like we have an assignment. We have an assignment. We're looking to win the Big Ten championship or we're looking to win our division and or, you know, making the team, you know, making it one more year. You're always focused on this. And we start to believe that assignment is who we are. Yeah. But that that's that's an illusion. It's an illusion. It's like I'm just, football is something we do. It's never been who we are. Who we are is what made us so good at football. Yeah. And that and, and that's what a lot of guys don't know they don't know. Yeah. Really understanding like those things that call to you. You know, you talk about ancient cultures. I'm big, you know, big in practice of ancient Hawaiian culture. And there's a lot of different laws. Really, they're just the laws of nature that, you know, they used to prescribe, subscribe to in the society. And one of the laws of you know that experience with the deer the first thing that popped into my mind is what's called the law of the call and it's like when something's just calling to you it compels an answer 
you know, when you felt that, when you felt whatever you felt inside, when you saw that deer, that feeling compels an answer. Exactly what you said. It's like, wait yep. a second. That's what I'm supposed to be doing right now. This is what I'm doing in the moment, but that's who I am. And that's what I'm meant to be. You know, I don't know if that was, you know, something you developed into after football. The way I see it is that's who you are deep down. Yes. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? A hundred percent. And I think that, so I think that in life, in the world, and like in every culture, there is um, a way that expresses that idea. Um, and then like, so I don't know, like, if you're into like plant medicine and stuff like that. But so throughout my years, I've had like, you know, points where I was, you know, using psychedelics to, you know, just kind of get deeper and figure things out. And, um, you know, or when I was just using them for fun and it ended up being like a whole shit, you know, hold on to your (laughs) seat. Um, But like one thing that like came to my mind one time on a psychedelic experience, but then I, like later on, I think it was probably three years later, I was listening to someone talk about, uh, it was basically like, it was basically about faith and the law of attraction and things like that. And so the way I look at it is in life, you'll be presented with these opportunities, right? And depending on um, where you are, Uh, personally in your journey you'll either be ready to seize the opportunity or you won't right and if you're not the opportunity will go by someone else will take the opportunity they'll take advantage of it it'll be their chance right Um, but then life whenever it on its own time will bring that opportunity back it might look different you know but it will present you with another opportunity just like that to take advantage of and if you're ready you can take it And it takes you, you know, through that loop into another level of self, you know, and I feel like life is just those opportunities over and over. And whenever you're ready to take it, it's there for you. But the longer you wait, the more you have to watch someone else or something else like live out your dream, you know, Mm -hmm. and um, I feel like life after football, it's it's so easy. Like, I feel like as football guys, you know, we're very popular and in demand people, you know, just in today's culture. And I think after football, a lot of guys will have a lot of opportunity and like that loop, it's about being able to see it and then grab a hold of it and like actually do it. Um, And, you know, with things like, you know, with things like the depression and all that, that happened, uh, post play, um, which I believe in big part is because of like ego death type things. You know, I think whenever we all get done playing, like we all go through some sort of ego death because, you know, of how built up we have been forever um, and how big we've built ourselves up mentally, physically, everything in the world's built us up. And then it's over. Like you said, like in a phone call, it's done. Um, I think that type of ego death is something that a lot of guys are not prepared to handle. Mm-hmm. Um, and the sooner that you can, A, realize that you're not alone and you're not the only guy who's going through it, because 
you know, we're all so we're all so damn tough that like we don't pick up the phone to call the homie and like who we used to go out there and battle with and go out with and do all the stuff with, but we won't pick up the phone and call them and be like, yo, I'm going through this, man. And like I don't know if I'm crazy or what, but like I feel nuts. You know? Yeah. Or, like I've been sad forever. I've been just getting up and sleeping on my couch every day. Like, you know, like I know for a lot of guys, like a big thing is like cannabis and, you know, there's a lot of positive effects, but like when you notice yourself that you're just getting up and like, you're just smoking and laying on the couch all day. Like that's when you got to know, like, it's not the cannabis is the issue. It's just like, Hey, you're going through some things and this is a coping mechanism that isn't serving you right now because yeah. laying here and not doing anything is not the answer, you know? Yeah. Um, so I think like that whole aspect after the game of just like finding the space to be able to open up so that then you can have the mental peace and the resources to help you when you're not at peace to where your life doesn't have to stop, you know, where you're still able to go after the opportunities that are out there for you. You're able to still advance in life. Um, because the moment that you withdraw from society and that you, you know, you give up hope and you stop reaching out, um, is the moment when things are going to get a lot harder and when yeah. things are going to get scary. Uh, you know, I know from just a little bit of talk that we had that you have been through some things mentally oh, and yeah. like myself as well. Um, you know, I checked into a 30 day facility, uh, you know, for chronic pain and mental stuff, you know, just so that I could study my brain and become aware, uh, because I was just, you know, going through things and having so much negativity in my thought process that mm -hmm. I needed a reprogram, you know, and I needed to go somewhere where I could put some, really good day-to-day -day habits in place and, you know, and be around other guys this is where I went was just all NFL guys. So, um, so I just needed a place where I could go and get right and be around my peers and just not feel alone. And at that point, once I kind of got there and felt like, like I had a handle on things like just, you know, not letting things spiral out of control when I felt bad. I didn't have to, I didn't have to just sit and sulk in my misery, you know? Um, so I think for guys, the biggest thing is as soon as you get done to when you're, when your mind and everything tells you to just shut down and to not talk to anybody, that's exactly when you talk to somebody, mm -hmm. you know? whether you find a therapist or whether you're talking to old teammates or friends, um, you know, I'm big on therapy. Uh, but I think just making sure that you're talking to someone and that you're being honest, you know, mm -hmm. like talk to someone you can be honest with. Um, don't talk to somebody that you feel like you have to be proud. That's why I really like therapy is because I don't know this person or, Oh, this person, they're not, they don't see me as some superhero, you know, like 
I just want to go in here and be able to talk to this person as if I am 10-year-old little Mike who's in his room sad, right. you know? And mm -hmm. that's, that's the, level, the level of vulnerability um, oftentimes that it takes to heal from things like this, you know? And you got to get back to, like you were saying, your foundation, your child. Like, you got to know whenever, as men, whenever we as men get hurt, that little boy version of you is also being hurt. And you have to look at yourself with enough empathy to be like, man, like I'm not a, I'm not a pussy because I'm here feeling sad or anything like that. It's like, look at yourself as that little boy, man. And look at him going through this. His dreams just got crushed too, you know? And mm -hmm. that's, a, that's a really tough thing. But whenever I was able to look at myself, like, man, little Mike is going through some things. Yeah. And like, I wouldn't just tell, I wouldn't tell that little boy to just suck it up. You know what I mean? Like some people would, but like, I know that that's not good. And like, I wouldn't. So yeah, it just gave me the space to kind of be a little nicer to myself. Absolutely. And when you talk about that little boy, you know, the way I always put it, you know, coaching former players and whatnot is you talk about the kid and the dog. The dog is your unconscious or subconscious mind, all your instincts, you know, which you, you know, we, the, the little kid trains the dog. And so we be, we train by the stories we tell ourselves, we train by our experiences. And the thing about little kids, you talk about a little kid, maybe six, seven years old, they're always playing make-believe, right? Yep. And and they're all, and when we play make-believe, we always tell stories about ourselves, And those stories are always empowering. I'm, I'm a football player. I'm a superhero. I'm the president. Can you imagine a, a little kid saying, oh, I get to play make-believe. I can be anyone I want. Who am I going to be? Oh, I know. I'm going to be the victim. But as adults, a lot of times that's the story that's going around and around in your mind, obsessing that's got you laying on the couch. Yep. And so the thing is, like just like you said, when those thoughts start to come up, that's when you need to talk to somebody because remember this, that little kid would never choose to tell a story about himself that starts with, I can't, I'm not, or I don't want. Yep. He would, you would, you, the little kid would never choose it. And like you said, that little kid is in there, which means you would never choose it. So the minute you start hearing that, <laughs> that's when it's time to go talk to somebody because this isn't you. You wouldn't choose this. Yep. And that's it's a red thing. flag. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So so now that the dust has settled, you know, you've been through a lot of stuff, a lot of self-discovery, gone through difficult challenges at every level, mentally, emotionally, physically. But the dust has settled. You're into your new groove on a different mission. Now, as a six eight offensive lineman, now you're focused on something that to many people outside might seem completely unrelated to football. So talk to us about what you're doing today. What's this next chapter of the Mike Adams experience all about personally and professionally? Yeah, so uh, for me, it kind of all just ran together. It was like one day I was back at home and I was just at peace. Um, I felt like I had been the happiest that I had ever been or been in a really long time. And I was like, man, what have I been doing? I was like, well, I've been here in nature and then I've been spending a lot of time on my yoga mat at yoga class in the studio around people. Um, and at that point I was like, ah, it's, 
it's people. You know, I've always been a people person. That's one of the things I love about football and the team is being around people, impacting people, you know. Um, and so I was like, well, I guess maybe I should start teaching yoga, you know. And so um, a really cool thing about it is where I went to my first yoga class in Pittsburgh, the studio is owned and run by a husband and wife, and the husband is a former NFL player as well. Mm. Um, his name's Sean Conley. He was a uh, he was a kicker, a punter, um, and he's an incredible teacher. Um, so I ended up doing my teacher trainings with them, which is like a, a very vulnerable process and like an open process. You you know you do a lot of healing in that whole thing. Um, so they it was for me it just made all the sense in the world that sean would be one of my teachers and that he would be one of the people holding space for me to be vulnerable and open about what i was going through um and you know having him having already been through it he was a kicker who had like hamstring injuries and couldn't kick anymore you know what i mean so he totally knew what i was going through um and he's 20 years older than me and so it was it was what i needed at that time and so when i got done with my teacher training i started teaching yoga right away my first five classes were for men so it was aimed to get men more comfortable to go to a class in the studio mm -hmm. and since then man um it has taken me from you know a little gym in hermitage pa to some yoga studios here, Pittsburgh, uh, the Youngstown area, um, down to Florida where I taught in Tampa and St. Petersburg for a few years. And, mm -hmm. um, you know, now I teach at different studios around the country when I'm traveling and then also um, teaching virtually. I've got my own website, hopedealer.yoga. Uh, where I've got a virtual library of classes available via subscription. Then I also am teaching for um, Allo, uh, the brand Allo, Allo Moves, um, on their online platform, which is an absolute honor for me. Um, and then I'm also teaching retreats um, where, you know, if anyone's interested, uh, I've got one coming up in the Dominican in October, um, but we basically, they're yoga and self-love retreats. So um, all of the self-love practices that I learned through yoga and through my different teachers from all over, um, I kind of, you know, we go somewhere really nice and pretty and um, we have a mindful vacation where we do a lot of yoga and we open up the floor and do some workshops to connect and um, give people the opportunity to work through anything that they may be working through, um, give people a chance to set, you know, their vision and their goals and um, to uh, for a week on a regular basis to see themselves as their highest version of themselves and to meditate on it and to visualize it. Um, giving people a real, a real foundation if they don't already have it to go out into the world and take, uh, positivity, love, peace, um, all of those things into the world and spread them. So, um, life after football, uh, you know, it started out really weird. I, I first started like a trucking company. I was shipping cars nationwide and that pretty much drove me crazy. And then uh, like literally drove me pretty nuts. <laughs> I um, can imagine. 
I had to turn the company over to my mom and be like, look, man, I don't, I like literally if I have to do this every day, I'm going to like, it's, you know, lights out. Um, so we ended up selling that. So then I did some real estate stuff, like buying small apartment buildings and the whole landlord thing. And, um, you know, that's been like a small thing that my mother and I do together as well. Um, and now, you know, I'm teaching yoga and, the yoga has given me an opportunity to positively impact people um, and to lead in my community every single day, you know, um, whether, whether I'm teaching a class that day or not, uh, through my classes, people now know that I provide a safe space for them to, to come and practice um to come and talk anything like that uh it's given me a space to implement the foundation that football gave me uh with discipline and hard work and accountability and attitude and effort um it's no you know jim trestle was my coach in college uh who's a hall of famer and who um, you know, he's written a book called the winner's manual, which is based off of a manual of life that he would give us. Um, you know, and it's like thousand plus pages of all types of different lessons of life, the pillars of life. Um, and through that, it's no, it's, you know, it's between him and coach Tomlin, um, I talk about gratitude and attitude and effort every single day. And it's because those guys like, they're two amazing people who I met through football, but are walking, talking, breathing examples of what a life of a life of intention, a life of service, um, and a life of um, discipline can do for you and how big of an impact you can make with that. Like, you know, I don't care if coach Tomlin never wins another Super Bowl if he retired tomorrow man, like the day that coach Tomlin retires, I will tell you that the boys and girls club where he's from in Virginia, I bet you he'll be there within a month or two. You know what I mean? And like, uh, urban impact in Pittsburgh, the things that he would definitely be doing there. And like all these different things, like these guys are men who, yes, football provides them their platform, but they're so much bigger than the game. And every day, like, you know, as I learned that I also am bigger than the game, it like the lessons that they had tried to teach me during the game just became that much bigger. You know, they've, and I would like the beautiful thing about it is these are lessons these guys gave me about football, but to make them lessons about life, you don't have to change one word because that's the thing that made them great about football was that they cared more about us just being great football players. They wanted us to be great men. Like in college, Jim Trestle is recruiting boys that he, you know, thinks are going to be good young men and that he can mold and create into good men. Mike Tomlin, when he drafts, he's drafting players that he thinks are good men and that he would want to be around. You know what I mean? So mm -hmm. um, they kind of taught me the importance of uh, Jim Trestle says it as yah, yah, Y-A-W, Y-A-W. You are who you associate with. Um, and that is one of the things post play and through yoga that I've come to know and love. And the way that I say it is your vibe attracts your tribe. 
you know what I mean? Like if you're a good dude and you're putting good vibes out into the world, like good people are going to come into your life. There's going to be some not so great people that try to creep in too, but through your foundation um, and through your character, you're going to know when they come up and you're going to know where to separate yourself to, you know? Um, so, you know, it's like, once you kind of get done being salty about football ending the way that you didn't want it to, um, there's a really big opportunity to then let football help you in your next chapter of life. If you're open for it. Absolutely. You know, the, the, the way I, the way I always put it is, you know, just what you said to translate it into, into my own lingo is everything you need to find that satisfaction with life in this next chapter. You learned it playing football already. It's just a matter of preserving the learnings from that experience. Like when you think about, you know, being salty about the way it ended, that's just the emotion. Once we let that go, you know, that that experience, any experience from the past, they're what I call bananas. It's just a banana. And so, you know, the banana has the peel, the rind on it, right? That's the part that you don't eat. That's the part that doesn't taste so good or doesn't feel so good. But once you get rid of that, then you've got so much more value from that experience. And so that's exactly what you're talking about with Coach Tomlin, with Jim Trestle, is that, listen, I preserved the learnings from those experiences, and now it's paying dividends in this next chapter of life. And so one thing for a lot of other guys who, who may be struggling through this process themselves is like this is the exact lesson they need. These are the conversations that, you know, we need to be having. And so, I'm, you know, I'm grateful that you're here because now we can start to get this out to other guys. You know, my inspiration for what I'm doing with this podcast and my business, which is afterprofootball.com, the goal is to help, you know, NFL brethren to heal after a lifetime of football, top to bottom, spiritually, mentally, emotionally, and physically. And with all the success and all this positivity, you know, you're so at peace right now. And, you know, really doing what what's connects to your heart. You know, think about just being in nature, being around people, getting back to really doing that yoga. I mean, 60 days in a row right out the bat. What would you say, what advice, if you could give any young man or woman who's struggling mentally and emotionally after a lifetime of identifying as an athlete, if you could give them one piece of advice, what would it be? I would say that being at peace doesn't mean that everything's sunshine and rainbows being at peace just means that you know that life comes in waves good and bad and that one wave isn't going to make or break you and that one wave doesn't last forever right no matter how hard you try to stop the waves or you know you're in the ocean and you're like no no, no the waves are going to keep going so the thing about it is that you got to keep going um, so my one piece of advice is just keep on going, keep moving. That's what's up. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, you know, just before we, we finish up here, just give us, give us your websites one more time for anybody who's looking to, you know, use your online courses, maybe interested in, in going to the Dominican Republic. I mean, who doesn't want to go to Dominican Republic? Yeah, just put that information out there so that so that anybody who is interested, any other players that you know want to feel that same kind of piece that Mike's feeling, just let them know. 
Yep. So you can find me at www.hopedealer.yoga. That's hopedealer.yoga. And then on Instagram, it's uh, Mike underscore Adams 75. Uh, just type Mike Adams. It's usually one of the first ones up. All right. All right. Well, Mike, I appreciate you coming on. You know, it's really important that we former players have more of these conversations to let guys know that you're not alone. Whatever you're dealing with, you know, we're, if we're all dealing with it, then technically none of us are alone. It's just a matter of following Mike's advice. You know, talk to somebody, get out there, and you know you got you got Mike's information. Anybody who's who's listening, so if you need someone to talk to, if you if you believe you have nobody else, this man just told you he's there for you. So appreciate you coming on, and look forward to connecting again really soon. Appreciate you, my brother. All right, aloha. Thank you for listening to the basic instructions of Mind Mastery with your host, Chuki Okobi. Please leave your feedback and visit strategicadvisorboard.com to get the latest and greatest business advisement on the planet. Follow us on social media for updates, and we'll see you on the next episode.